0: Hello everybody and welcome back to Conversations Over Coffee. In this episode I interview Harry Adams who is a portrait and fashion photographer based in London. In this episode we discuss studying photography and what it's like being a photography student. We also discuss mental health and how we can both deal with our mental health and what is available to deal with mental health and also the benefits of using music to inspire your imagery. So sit down, grab a cup of coffee and enjoy the episode. Welcome. Hello Mr Harry Adams. Hello. How are you? I'm good, mate.
1: I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good.
0: Slightly stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We just had right fun and games trying <clears throat> to get this mic set up to work.
1: Yeah, I spent the last uh, 45 minutes fiddling with microphones.
0: Watching and... weird ends of YouTube that you <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't imagine. Um, cool. So thank you for coming on to the podcast. No, no problem. I recently appeared on
1: your podcast. You say recently. Recently. Six, seven months ago now. Probably more by the time this comes out.
0: Yes, that's that's a good point actually. <laughs>
1: um, yeah,
0: I really enjoyed that. So thank you, thank you for inviting me along. Um, tell me about yourself.
1: Um, okay. Um, you can start anywhere you like. Right. Uh, so Harry James Adams, born twenty Sunday the twenty second of October nineteen ninety five to Andrew and Susan. Um, no, I, you know I grew up in Kent, middle of the countryside. Um, Whereabouts in Kent? Tunbridge, uh, oh, really? which is a little town in the arsehole end of nowhere in the middle of Kent. Um, so we're, we're both on the sticks then? From what? The sticks. Right, yeah.
0: I'm a Kent lad myself. Are you? Yeah. Whereabouts? Uh, down in Medway. Oh, okay. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I wasn't there. We used born to there.
1: destroy you at rugby. Yes, I'm sure you did. Absolutely destroy you. Um, yeah, Tunbridge was fine. You know, stayed in Tunbridge till I was... 19 um, and then I left for my kind of first round of university um, didn't go so well so I moved moved to Surrey I was living in Egham studying biomedical science at Royal Holloway um, got to the end of first year dropped out worked in hospitality and retail for a couple of years just kind of finding my footing and then applied for a photography degree at Ravensbourne which is where I am now and where I met you
0: yes Quite. So, Harry and I both go to Ravensbourne University, London, um, which is like a creative university um, that offers, I think there's only like 15 courses there or something, isn't it? Is that correct? Something like that. All the way from like TV and media to fashion and architecture um, and like fashion promotion and things like that, which is yeah. quite cool uh, because uh, there's a it's quite industry-based. Yeah, super industry-based. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I'd say that's entirely what it's based on pretty much is getting into the industry yeah um, which sort of leads me on to my next question which is you are a fashion photographer yeah um, and how did that come about because you said that you started doing biometric science is that biomedic- biomedical yeah. biomedical science um, how did you transition from that to photography
1: <laughs> yeah um, so since I was kind of an early teenager I've enjoyed taking photographs as a hobby um you know got first got my hands on a kind of dslr when i was probably 14 and would take photos of whatever i could i kind of came across and then that kind of carried on and then when i was in sixth form there was a photography a level but i didn't do any kind of art gcses or anything so i wasn't able to do that but I made good friends with a lot of the people who were on it and so I would kind of mimic what I saw them doing and you know play around with my DSLR take pictures of my friends and then when I was at Royal Holloway I applied for a job at the SU as a photographer and so I would um, it was a lot of events so that kind of got me introduced to that side of things Uh, shot a lot of events did a lot of nightclub stuff Uh, which kind of was a lot of portraiture, really, in nightclubs um, and a lot of event stuff around the university whenever they were running stuff. And then when I finished there, didn't really do much photography in those two years that that I was working. But then started at Rave and was kind of introduced to the studio and how things work there. And then at the end of last year... Sorry, excuse me, Uh, end of of last year. um, There was a collaboration, I think it runs every year, with the fashion department and Kingpin's, the kind of denim brand. And I shot um, the year three pieces for that, and that was my first kind of experience shooting fashion. And then from there, the fashion department kind of latched onto me, and so I shoot a lot for them, and then shot the graduate fashion week uh, lookbook for them which was great nice. and then their postgraduate stuff i shot over the summer and then that's kind of informed my own work i think i i wouldn't really class myself as like a fashion photographer i would say i'm a port maybe a portrait photographer like fashion portrait photographer um
0: okay that's interesting because now that you say that yeah it's definitely clear in your work right um you very much focus on faces yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, I could you know there's nothing wrong with still life I have huge amounts of respect and you can make a huge amount of money doing still life but I, I don't know I just think it's boring I like getting t- I like meeting people uh, talking to people kind of interacting with them while you're shooting um, it's kind of it's 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 almost performative you know you're you know you kind of craft this not like on set persona but you kind of step outside of yourself when you're on set and you're interacting with someone to try and get the best out of them mm and it's yeah i love it and you also want to be in control of exactly yeah what's going
0: on because you're there to do a good job at the end of the day yeah hopefully um (laughs) it's interesting that you talk about the third year lookbook yeah fashion lookbook because i did that the previous year right okay um when i was i think i might have been first year or second year Mm -hmm. um to get more assisting work Um, which is sort of uh, one of the things that they encourage a lot on the course. is assisting other people and learning from other people. Um, And I know that we both have assisted a particular friend of ours, Hanina, in the past. Um, Do you feel like that has impacted the way that you work, watching how Hanina works? Because she's got a very particular way of working with people. She's extremely friendly. Oh, yeah. um, And really can connect with people. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that in itself really helps when it comes to interacting with somebody for the first time or somebody that you've worked with on a few occasions. Yeah, I
1: think I've I've asked Hanina for a lot of advice actually, not so much I mean kind of interacting with people, it's how to approach people for the first time and things like that because she's very good at that, very good at kind of putting herself out there and Talking the talk and then backing it up by walking the walk on set. Yeah, and, for sure. And uh, so I think that that's been really useful, kind of seeing her on set manner and factoring that into my own practice. And then, you know, I'm not I'm not exactly a shy person. I'm quite loud. You know, I'm 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 I like to think I'm friendly. I'll try and make friends with everyone. Mm. And so I think that I. You know I can quite easily get the lay of the land when I'm kind of meeting people for the first time, figure out what makes them tick and uh try and you know do my best to not like worm my way in but make make it so that your first impression is valuable and and make sure that it's um make sure it kind of an exchange happens there and that they they get an idea of what you're about and then you can also get an idea of their expectations. But like technically wise, I've, yeah, I've learned loads from Hanina as well. You know, I, I first assisted her in November last year. So that was a month after I started the course. And so just seeing the way she works with light, um, particularly, you know, using polyboards and stuff like that. Because that was the kind of thing that I first, when I first got in the studio at Rave, I would use the lights. And I was like, okay, but you know, these polyboards, they're a pain in the ass. You've got to try and drag them around the studio. I'm like, what are they useful for? And then, you know, I see Hanina building a fucking fort around a model with polyboards <laughs> yeah. and, um, you know, pointing lights out towards it so that it bounces in. You get a really nice, soft, even spread of light. And I'm like, okay, now it's yeah. starting to make sense. Yeah, sure. Um, and it's great. And, you know, I, I unashamedly use a lot of the same techniques she uses, but we've had this conversation with each other in the past. You know, our work is so starkly different. Um, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of strange to think that we're both maybe working and lighting in similar ways but then the final outcome is so different um, yeah
0: mm. I know that she's very like vibrant and mm. popular and I don't mean to compare and contrast but yours is your recent work has been very like monochromatic and very yeah like dark and mysterious especially some of the um, the work that you did with the postgrads yeah like, uh, that, um, there's a one image in particular where you've got somebody wearing like a A patterned hat, like a sort of oh, that was the um,
1: that was the undergrad. That was that was the graduate fashion week stuff. So yeah, so it's like a white brimmed hat, um, and that was uh, so we shot that with, um, we had four lights with snoots on, all pointing at different points on the model and the background, Uh, and I had one kind of just grazing across the face and the top of the head, uh, and it cast this really really nice shadow onto the face coming through the hat. Um, and so I I love stuff like that kind of small details and things Um, I've also been playing around with black and white a lot recently uh, which is nice and I think yeah Hanina really pushes colors I always tend to the first thing I do when I kind of get an an image in is I will up the contrast and bring the saturation down Um, I like things a little bit more muted um, but you know that May change over time. I don't know. I don't know what my work will look like next week.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that's one of the good things about being at uni is that you can experiment with things and yeah, not exactly. feel like if you fuck it up, then you're accountable for anything, uh, especially considering we get to use like a studio for free. Yeah, it's um, great. If you are being paid for your time, it's completely different. So I think it's really great that you're like experimenting with stuff and yeah. like different light setups and really bold stuff like using. Four snoots. I'm going. To go. that's <laughs> unprecedented. It was. It was. Um. It was
1: stressful. Um, getting it set up. It was kind of five minutes before our absolute cut off for having to start shooting because we had. There were seven. It was either seven or ten students with three looks each, so that's you know twenty-one to thirty looks to shoot in the space of five hours. Blimey. Um, and so it was intense. It was a really, really intense day. Uh, and yeah, I was like sweating bullets trying to get this lighting finalised before uh, before we actually started shooting. Uh, and I had Kai, a good friend of mine, was assisting me. Uh, and he never fails to bring up just how stressed I got before before we started shooting on that day. Yeah.
0: It's tough, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it can tough.
1: be really tough. when, And, you know, it's... Obviously, that was a very low risk situation i'm shooting for the university uh there's no there was no money involved we weren't being paid which is you know it's a different ball game but we weren't being paid it was kind of low pressure well it wasn't it was high pressure low risk it so there was there was no money on the line but it was still you know these students final pieces that they'd shot that they were expecting a good outcome from yeah you don't want to um, anybody down no exactly but... and that that kind of that responsibility that the responsibility for the way an image looks ends with the photographer because everyone else does their job before the photographer gets their hands on the model or whatever you're shooting and so you know your makeup artist can do an incredible job stylist can kill it art design and art direction can be amazing but if you fuck it up in camera that's it you know the the, the final kind of burden is on your shoulders and so that kind of you know it's shit shit rolls downhill it's you know it it all kind of falls on you at the end
0: yeah i think i i personally am very 50 50 on whether i perform well under pressure like sometimes (laughs) i I really fly and sometimes i'm just absolutely crumble and like get very stressed out very quickly um one thing that we were talking about earlier uh was therapy uh-huh. And uh, you said that you wouldn't mind bringing up yeah, therapy no, of course. on the podcast. Um, is that because, well, let's, let's press it with I personally have been looking into it a little bit, mm-hmm. um, mainly because of like work stress and like social stress and everything that's going on at the moment. What, how do you relate that to your, is it university based or is it uh, um, personal life or things like that?
1: So I have. Always had a kind of tricky relationship with my mental health um, from my kind of early teens. Um, a lot of that, I think, stems from growing up gay in quite a conservative town. And so I was hiding a lot of myself away from people for kind of like 18, 19 years of my life. And so that has a knock on effect. And so I, you know, at the, at the end of my uh, first year at my previous uni, I was seeing a counsellor on campus um, and I was taking antidepressants and it's, it's, it's not, I don't see it as, okay, I'm taking antidepressants and I'm in therapy. I see them as they are tools to help you have the kind of get up and go to then make the positive changes in your life, whether that be dropping out of your university course that was making you miserable um or, you know, addressing I despite being this kind of outgoing person, I have a lot of social anxiety as well. And so I would then use the kind of tools that I'm given in therapy and through, you know the medication that I'm on stabilizing my mood to think, okay, so this person maybe hasn't replied to me for two hours. That doesn't mean that they hate me. It just means that they're busy. And so it's kind of using things to help rationalize. And, you know, it can be the same with work. It's like, you know, I'm not, I haven't been commissioned for X or maybe I didn't do so well on this particular project. That's not to do with, you know, me as a person. It's to do with the fact that maybe, you know, I wasn't, the right particular fit for something or they found someone with more experience but that performs at a similar level it's just a, a lot of it for me is kind of helping to rationalize things um because you know we're all we're all guilty we can all let our brain get carried away sometimes and you know jump both feet first into conclusions mm, um yeah but yeah you know it's, it's not something that i'm ashamed of it's something that i'm you know i'm quite happy to talk about and i think Talking about it is not only healthy for you, having experienced it, so it kind of it then helps you see it from another perspective. It's you know it's healthy for people who are perhaps dealing with the same thing but don't quite know how to go about finding help for it. Um, I just think, that, yeah, I think we should we should all be more open about our mental health.
0: So the the, the premise of this podcast and this whole series, yeah, is essentially interviewing young creatives. And that generally means that some of them are either going to be studying mm-hmm. or have been studying. Um, I've just finished. Do you think that there's enough in the educational world for people to deal with things like that?
1: Firstly, I'm flattered you consider me a young creative. Um,
0: well, you're not Nico. <laughs>
1: yeah, not as <laughs> old as Nico, not quite. We love you, Nico, um, if you're joking. I think there could definitely be more. Um, I haven't personally used any of the services at Ravensbourne, so I don't know what they're like. Um, I know that the stuff at my last uni wasn't great. Um, I think as more and more conversations happen about this, I think it is improving. Um, you know, we're at a tricky point for health services in this country at the minute, anyway. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty about what may or may not happen and so i think that f- if individual institutions like universities can start kind of ramping up what they're doing to help students without them having to seek things outside of university that may potentially financially cripple them more than university already is anyway uh i think that's something that you know is is useful and something that people should be talking about um you know, I, a, a couple of my friends use the services at Ravensbourne and they, they say it's great and it helps. So, you know, I think we're heading in the right direction. but I think there's still a lot more that can be done.
0: Yeah. Do you, do you find that being a creative individual? Because I, I basically I, I worked for six months in a warehouse. Yeah. Okay, and you're surrounded by people who would n- say that they're not creative at all because mm-hmm. they're very like oh, manly man on a forklift. You know, doesn't <laughs> want to talk about like what art or music yeah. he likes, you know. Um, sort of like the opposite of me do you think that having a creative endeavor has allowed you to express something or relieve some of that stress and anxiety in creating something
1: yeah I think so Um, I think I definitely when I was younger used it to express the kind of feelings about my sexuality and you know dealing with it's it's kind of a substitute for talking to someone, isn't it? You know, you're like, okay, I'm feeling this way about this rather than opening up and being vulnerable, vulnerable about it in a conversation with someone, you know, for whatever reason, you may not want to do that. Let me create this thing that maybe alludes to it. I know the reason behind it. And I've put all of this kind of emotion and energy into it, but someone looking at it for the first time may not get that. And I think that's, I think that's great. Um, I think using using art for kind of emotional kind of self-help you know like it can be therapeutic um for me it can also generate a lot of anxiety as well so i think you know a lot of the time especially with social media and instagram when you're posting something and you're you're really proud of it but it maybe doesn't perform as well as you think it should do uh can you know create anxiety so i think it's a bit of a double-edged a A double-edged sword
0: yeah yeah, for sure i i I wholeheartedly agree with you about the instagram thing Mm -hmm. um i definitely sometimes feel i I put myself under unnecessary pressure to create for something yeah i never really create for the sake of it you know i I never really create just for myself uh well i say that i say maybe sometimes in the moment i do but there's always that ticking thing in the back of my head was like i get home i had to be like oh great this will go on my website Mm -hmm. or this will go on instagram yeah um social media in this day and age definitely causes a lot of issues but to put a positive spin on it yeah do you feel like social media and the technology that we've been born into definitely like enables people to get inspired find other artists um get work through other artists have you ever found Something positive come out of Instagram, for example?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got, I recently got a job through um, a contact of someone I know and they approached me via Instagram. Uh, I think it's great. It's a great place to find inspiration and to kind of connect with other creatives as well and see what other people are up to. I don't think it should be anyone's kind of top of your pyramid of, um, what is it? The pyramid of needs. You know, it's like food at the bottom, shelter, whatever. Instagram shouldn't be the the crowning piece on the top of your pyramid that is the be all and end all. I think that's unhealthy. Um, it's something that is easy to fall into. Uh, but I think I think there's definitely a lot of positives. But you you know, I think a lot of the time, putting yourself out there on the internet is um it's like it's like opening a door where everyone inside just tells you how shit you are like it's uh and it's you know like we, like i just said it's a double-edged sword the same with creating but i think that for me the positives outweigh the the negatives because the negatives are kind of small scale manageable things you're like, you're like oh fuck okay i you know put a lot of work into this and it's got 50 likes whereas this thing i you know i shot offhandedly in the middle of a shoot because I thought it looked cool has got 150 and so then that then makes you kind of second guess your own creative prowess I guess because you're like okay this thing that I poured a lot of creative energy into maybe didn't do as well as I thought it should but something else that you think less about does it's 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 strange it's it I think it I think the internet is gonna change rapidly over the next 10 years
0: i mean look how much it's changed in the past year yeah in like gdpr yeah um people suddenly finding out about all these like privacy warnings and things like that and instagram storing data and being able
1: to use it and yeah <laughs> you know mark you know mark zuckerberg's monopoly on the internet i yeah. think is gonna is gonna continue to grow and i think it's probably going to detonate i think it, everything's going to come tumbling down um you know there's a lot of um a lot of copyright stuff going on as well you know article 20 23 or 13 i can't remember the number but it's um you know it was passed in the european parliament in that video content uh can be removed instantly um from from youtube and other kind of areas on the internet uh just from somebody making a claim that they own the copyright they don't have to provide any proof Um, But it will immediately be taken down, and then it will be reviewed, and that kind of opens up a muddy. And it's not it's not just on YouTube, you know. It's on it's on all kind of social media as well. It's like it opens up this muddy thing where if you're in a European country where this is in this is in effect, somebody shares a video of something that's copyrighted material, and Twitter then has to take it down. Someone in America should still be able to see that because. You know, they're, they don't fall under that copyright law. So how can you remove it when it doesn't apply to everyone? And you come into this whole question of censorship um, and, you know, how and how do we censor things and should we censor things? And it's just a, a really muddy hill to start sliding down and. Um, I forgot what your original question was. I just kind so of went off on I, but, uh, <laughs> I enjoyed that rabbit hole that we managed to fall down.
0: <laughs> um, let's just loop it back a little bit to finding um, inspiration mm-hmm. online. Do you have somebody that you repeatedly go back to for, for inspiration? Anybody that you look up to, a favourite photographer or
1: music yeah. artist? Um, I really... Matt, I I... I think I spoke about this on an episode of my podcast, which is going to be out by the time this comes out. Which is called? Which is called Chats in My Flat. Um, It's on Spotify, iTunes, everywhere. Search that, you'll find it. It's me looking very cheesy with a mug in my hand. Um, (laughs) Good plug. Good plug. (laughs) Matt Lambert, who's an American photographer who operates a lot in Berlin, was kind of my first experience of seeing seeing and appreciating a professional photographer's work um he does a lot of stuff around the gay community in berlin Uh, i kind of found his work online immediately went out and bought both of his books uh and was just kind of digesting it and then over the last few years um i really like damon baker he's a british photographer he shoots um a lot of portraiture a lot of really nice interesting portraiture very gritty Um, And he was kind of a big inspiration for me behind the black and white stuff that I've been doing recently. Um, Who else? Um, You mentioned music, actually. I, I don't know whether you'll relate to this at all. I find music to be like an incredible tool for inspiration and motivation for creating still art um you know i will sit and listen to a song and it will kind of conjure images in my head and i'm like okay i'm like i get ideas of like colors and textures and kind of the kind of people that i think i i basically i imagine this song playing in the world and what scene would be happening while that song is playing um and that's i don't know that's i i just i think music is is amazing i couldn't i couldn't live without music um and I, I always will, whenever I'm shooting, I will have music playing. Um, whenever I'm retouching, I'll have music playing. And I think it's, it's, it's such a useful tool for creation. Um,
0: I've got to remember I'm doing a podcast. I keep nodding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a confirmation that i agree with you. Um, I 100% agree. Uh, I, I find music incredibly useful with um, my photography and videography. Uh, especially in videography, because it's Big such a, yeah. a vital role. In you know, you look at any good film, it's going to have a good soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 don't listen to music when I'm out shooting because we, we do very different yeah. styles of photography. You're you're a portrait fashion photographer, and I'm predominantly a street photographer. Yeah. And I sometimes find music when I'm out and about distracting, but when I get home and start processing the photos, having music on whether that's like a cinematic soundtrack or just like some chill lo-fi beats yeah um and i sometimes like if i'm editing a particular photo i will change the track to something that i think would suit the photo and edit with that and that yeah. sounds like really no weird no, no, to no, no i know exactly what you mean um, i do the same thing because music transcends just sound like you said it you can you can see colors and yeah, textures yeah yeah, yeah.
1: And it's emotional
0: yeah, certain emotions that you want to purvey in your in your photography, and I do think music on set is pretty vital as well because then you don't get any awkward silences.
1: Yeah, and I think it just it helps helps loosen everyone up. You know, it's it, it can be taking a photo of somebody in a studio is awkward. You know, it it's you are as a model, you are one person stood in front of maybe up to. 15 people all staring back at you and having to perform and so it's awkward and you know if, if if everyone is listening to the same music everyone's enjoying themselves it just kind of loosens everything up opens everyone up and you get you get the best out of everyone you've got on set
0: yeah i uh, you mentioned in the the undergrad lookbook mm-hmm. when i was doing it the guy who was photographing um he's a he's a he's a great guy um but he put on Marilyn Manson. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> which uh, drastically changed the mood on set. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. There's nothing like, <laughs> like slamming some like, um, some Cannibal Corpse while you're shooting exactly. a really delicate beauty campaign. Like.
0: <laughs> it was just a very uh, odd scenario to be in. Um, but the images definitely reflected that because that, that, again, that was sort of the vibe we were going for. It was quite dark and, right. and mysterious, but. It's not the most relaxing (laughs) tunes down on set. Um, I've just got a a few things in front of me that are just Uh sort sort of some pointers that I feel like definitely encompass everything that photographer tries to become. So we've talked about a favorite photographer and influences. Do you believe that finding a particular style aids in your photography or do you think it can hinder you in your photography?
1: I think that, again, it's not cut and dry. I think it's both because it's... um, I think one of our lecturers said this to me a little while ago and it kind of stuck with me. If you don't pigeonhole yourself quickly, someone will do it for you. Um, And so I think if you don't find a niche to kind of settle yourself in and you are looking to make it as a working photographer, whatever you have in your portfolio that stands out will end up becoming your niche Um, and whether you know say for example you aren't the most confident person you spend all of your last two years at uni shooting photos of books or flowers or something doing lots of still life when you are then venturing out into the world trying to be commissioned for things Someone isn't going to look at your work and think, oh, you know what, they'd be really great to shoot this £100,000 Gucci campaign. They're going to look at your work and think, okay, we can get them in to shoot this flat lay or, you know, this still life stuff, which, you know, there may still be great money in or it may still be really fulfilling creatively, but you're not going to be able to branch out. Um, As for finding a style, I think it can, again, definitely be great. I think it it, it can be fulfilling for someone to... Look at a photo and say, I recognise that. That's one of Harry's photos. Just based purely on the way it looks. I think there's there's nothing that kind of makes me happier as a photographer than for someone to be able to look at an image and say, oh, that's yours, just by looking at it. Um, but similarly, you know, it can pigeonhole you. You know, it's it's the same. And Hanina's spoken about this. She, shoot, she shoots for a lot of um, kind of girly brands. Um, You know, because her style is very soft and very, you know, vibrant. And so she maybe wouldn't be commissioned to shoot something like a Louis Vuitton campaign where it's black and white and gritty because it's just not her style. So, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think you are definitely limited by your style and the kind of things you'll be commissioned for.
0: Talking about shooting for like girly things. Yeah do you feel like not on a style level but on like an ethos level a lot of your work is to do with like gay representation Uh do you think that that is something that you will continue to pursue either intentionally or unintentionally or like do you want to keep on incorporating incorporating that into your work
1: yeah absolutely um i think that um you know i have And the the word gets bandied around a lot. You know, I inherently have a lot of privilege. You know, I'm white. I'm a man. uh, I'm from a middle-class background. Um, And so that's, you know, three things that immediately, unfortunately, for for various reasons, inherently put you ahead. Um, And so I think using your position of privilege to uplift others, not to be like a saviour, but to uplift is great. And it's something that you need to do. Um, you know, it's, I, we were talking about this earlier, you know, I, I want to shoot maybe for a unit I've got coming up, um, which is a kind of advertising unit. I want to spin the kind of overtly, you know, feminine, sexual, sexual, Perfume ads or like overtly masculine per- um aftershave ads that come out and flip it and center you know trans and gender non-conforming people in that as you know a little bit of a middle finger to the kind of industry and society and say look you know here are these these incredible people that are equally as valid and equally as beautiful why aren't we spotlighting them um, and so I think you know when you when you experience things like being a minority of some subset it just makes you kind of hyper aware that there are other people in the same space of you as you that have it way worse and i think that you know we we can all be doing everything we can to uplift these people
0: yeah i I know exactly what you mean about the fragrance thing yeah it's like it's always before cinemas, like before films. It's like yeah, low and... budget soft core porn. <laughs> like... <laughs> um,
1: and like you know, even like the the posters and billboard ads that you have for um, for fragrances, you know, there'll be like Kira Knightley with uh, you know very loose slinky nightgown, you know, laid across the end of a bed. And you're like looking at it, and you're like, "What the fuck is this for?" And then in the bottom corner, there's a perfume bottle, and it's like, you know, it doesn't make any sense. No. Obviously, it's very hard to visually sell something that is not visual. You know, you, you you smell perfume and aftershave, you don't look at it. That the bottles are, you know, always kind of doing that job of selling uh, visually. But I think you know, I I just yeah, I just don't understand the rationale behind the advertising sometimes. Mm. Um, which is why I kind of want to fuck with it a bit. <laughs> that,
0: that'd be great to see. I, I would love to see that campaign. That'd be that'd be really cool. Do you feel like personal work keeps you inspired?
1: Yeah, I think so. Definitely. I think you know if you, it's the same as, it's the same as like say you say you're Roger Federer, and you know you play tennis twenty four seven competitively. Do you think he ever you know goes and has a game of tennis with a mate for fun? I don't know. Like, it's 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 an interesting thing to think about. You know, does Michael Phelps ever just think, oh, you know what? I'm going to go for a dip today. Like, it's it's, it's it's it's. You know, they're obviously very different things, but I think doing creating personal work is vital. I think for kind of keeping your love of photography alive. Uh, and it, it allows you to, again, experiment in a low-risk environment. You know, if you, you don't even want to turn up on set for a client, for a huge client, and think, well, you know, I've been thinking about changing my lighting and doing things this way um, when they're paying you however much, they're paying however much for the space, yeah, all these sure. other people. And you're like, yeah, you know what, I'm just going to wing it today. Um, whereas, you know, when you're shooting personal work, you can, you know, step outside of that and think, okay, let me try this out. Then if it goes well and you're confident in doing it and you do it a few times, you can then incorporate that into your uh, professional work and maybe open up new avenues for yourself because of that. So I think it's vital. Yeah, I think you have yeah. to do it. Um,
0: I, I definitely find that creating my own personal work gets me out of ruts. And sometimes you have to push yourself through that. Mm-hmm. Have you ever struggled creatively?
1: Yeah, big time. Um, I, you know, it's again, falls back to what I was saying earlier about being an anxious person and always kind of second guessing myself, I will have an idea and then immediately I'll be like, no, that's shit. Um, and so I just won't pursue it. And it's like, I'm, I need to have an idea, try it and then decide if it's worth pursuing rather than immediately falling into that rut. Um, you know, hit the rut, bunny hop over it a little bit and then roll back into it. (laughs) Um, it's, yeah I think creative ruts are are awful because they can be so demoralizing because you know you just sit there and it's it's like trying to get to sleep like the minute you're aware that you're having difficulty getting to sleep it becomes a hundred times harder to get to sleep Um, and you get frustrated and angry with yourself Um, and I think when you when you create just for the sake of creating you kind of Get into that kind of it's what is it a state of like flow you know and things kind of come to you, um, and even you know doing doing other menial things like tidying your flat or like do, you know doing your housework, um, things are always ticking away in the back of your head as well. So that for me is good to if you're if you're a lot of the time if I find myself in a creative rut I will acknowledge it put it down, walk away from it and do something completely different and let it just kind of fester for a bit. And then when something kind of organically comes to mind, you then go out and try it and yeah. see whether that kind of helps tell you out of it.
0: Uh, I released a video recently, which was struggling to find inspiration uh-huh. and I went out one evening and I just had no luck and I got so frustrated. Yeah. Um, and I did the worst thing that you can possibly do is, like, put your camera away. Mm-hmm. But hearing somebody say that and sort of apply the same thing that I did is quite encouraging, knowing that I went back to it the next day and I did so much better. Yeah. Um. So that's really encouraging for me to hear a fellow creative say yeah, that yeah. that's what they've oh, done. Um, is
1: yeah.
0: there anything else that you find helps with that process?
1: Um. Again, music... You know, I'm I will nine times out of ten I will have a pair of headphones on and if I'm not listening to music I'll be listening to a, a podcast or just something consuming a lot of film as well. You know, I love cinema and film and so that will always then kind of stir things. Like I um I never forget the first time I watched Call Me by Your Name, it's like it's a really, really cinematic movie. Um some of the some of the shots in it are gorgeous and they're the kind of, it's like set in the like midsummer in Italy. And so you've got this naturally gorgeous landscape around. The tones in it are amazing. Um, it's set in the eighties. And so, you know, the kind of color palette of the clothes and everything is amazing as well. And it's, it, things like that. You're like, okay, so I'm, I'm consuming this. I'm seeing these colors. How can I shoot something myself that emulates that? Um, and that, that's for me, how I find most of my inspiration is from, from film and music and,
0: that's cool. That's really good to hear that you take a lot of inspiration from Moving Image as well. Mm. I saw a um, it was a, on a Phase 1 YouTube channel uh-huh. and by the way, sorry, there's like drilling going on. The, <laughs> like the, the people next door are drilling something um, and I've got a cold so it's, it's going well this podcast. I'm um, fine. I'm great. you have a great time. Well, there we go then. As long as you're <laughs> alright. <laughs> um, I saw a video on the Capture One YouTube channel. It was like a behind the scenes and there was this photographer who was just being an absolute ass mm-hmm. to everybody. Um this isn't leading on to anything this is just acknowledging your point there yeah. about not getting egotistical. Um have you had an experience on set that's been really really positive um with lots of collaboration um getting, having a really good rapport with the crew and you just leave it feeling really really good?
1: Yeah, the um the Saturday supplement shoot that I did for um... For this unit just gone uh so we were tasked with planning and executing a shoot and we were we had to bring in at least one industry professional um and i thought fuck that i'm gonna bring in everyone uh so i bought in a <laughs> i bought in an agency model a professional makeup artist yeah yeah so i basically i sold it to the agency as a test um i said that you know i it's it's a model that I know and I'm friends with as well. Um, you know, they're with a great agency. They're with um, First Model Management. Nice. And so um, I managed to convince their handler that this would be a great test. I sent them my website. You know, showed them some of my previous work, and they were like, "Yeah, sure, sounds great." And then I was like, "Cool, I've secured my model." And then I was trawling instagram and looking for makeup artists found a makeup artist that i really liked Um, you know she works professionally she works for mac and she also freelances as a makeup artist and uh, so i got her involved and then another stylist uh this well the stylist sorry uh was a recommendation of the model uh, and they were amazing as well and it just kind of all it was very stressful in the lead up to it but the minute we started shooting it just all came together um and it was just it was just great it was just so fulfilling to have this kind of dynamic on set where everyone knew exactly what we were expecting out of each other and it just worked really really well and i you know i'm really happy with the images they're really happy with the images um and yeah it's great whether you know julian and Garrett will be happy with the images i don't know Um, i'm still waiting to get my feedback but uh, we'll see
0: and do you feel generally that university's going well
1: um yeah, I think so. I I was worried coming into this year, um, because at the well, at the end of first term, um I kind of threw the cat amongst the pigeons and I shot something pretty out there um for one of the units, um and immediately kind of um I think it, it rattled the tutors when I handed it in as well, um, and I had was it? Uh, it was it was the it was the previvor image um of uh, my boyfriend's sister-in-law oh yeah yeah um uh, so yeah so Holly she um had a double mastectomy as a kind of preventative measure for breast cancer and so I shot a topless portrait of her sat on the end of her bed in her house um this kind of really nice warm uplifting portrait of her showing her scars. Um, and I handed it in and Matt looked at me and he said, is she okay with you handing this in? And I said, yeah, and she wanted to, she wanted to shoot it. Um, and then in my feedback, they, you know, praised me a a lot for it. it's not like, because it's, it's something that I'm proud of that I kind of put myself out there straight away and was like, okay, I want to shoot something intense. Uh, and then, I absolutely tanked second and third term. I did really badly. And so I was worried. I was like, okay, I've peaked <laughs> at, the end of, at the end of first term. Um, and so I was worried coming into this term that I was going to continue on that kind of downward trend. Um, but hopefully it, I, I won't have because I'm, you know, I'm very happy with the images I've made this term. Um, yeah. The,
0: the double vasectomy thing, is that preventative then? Uh,
1: yeah, the, the the mastectomy, yeah. So it was... So Holly's um, sister and her auntie both had breast cancer at a young age. Um, and so she had a... Um, the whole family had a genetic screening. And um, she found out that she, you know, through various genetic factors, she would have about an 85% chance of developing really? breast cancer at some point in her life. Oh, um, and so... You know, rather than wait for it to happen and deal with it then, she had a double mistake to at the age of thirty, um, and so, you know, it's it's an incredibly brave thing to do, um, and I just I just thought, you know, it's a, it's a great story to tell, it's a great awareness tool for people to, you know, become more aware of their, you know, family history of cancer and things like that, and it's it was it was also I think a really positive experience for holly and kind of getting some confidence back um and so yeah it was it was just a really wholesome experience um and uh, you know a, a striking image that came out of it and so it was yeah i just was yeah, really it's, really it's happy it's an incredible it image went. i, Thanks, I, mate, I remember you.
0: seeing it on instagram and i thought it was like an advert for the taylor wessing prize or something. that so that was
1: the that was the unit we were tasked with shooting as if we were entering taylor wessing oh really um and i didn't enter it in the end and i'm you know i kind of i kind of regret not entering it um but i put it into like the aop and the aop students and it just didn't didn't do well and so i thought fuck it i'm not going to enter it um and then this year uh going to view taylor wessing um and there is a portrait um of someone who it's you know, it's different reasons this person has had um is this this year's yeah, yeah yeah so this person has had um has had their breasts removed uh because they identify as non-binary and so they had it uh, they had the double mastectomy um as a way of reducing their dysphoria um and so i saw it and i was like okay Maybe it wouldn't have been so out there to enter it because that's what I was worried about. I was worrying worried that it was just like you know, it's a it's a topless woman in my case, um, and so I was just want, worried that maybe that was why it wasn't registering so well. Um, but then, yeah, when I when I saw that portrait, I was like, fuck! I was like, maybe I could have entered it.
0: But All right, I know which portrait you're talking about. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah, it's exactly. an incredible exhibition, actually. Yeah, it's Very great.
1: Nice. I, I think I definitely want to shoot something in the next couple of years with the intent of entering it.
0: Yeah. That'd be great. It'd be good to see you <laughs> on hopefully. The, in the National portrait Yeah, hopefully. They're closing it, you know, actually, for a few years um, to do some renovations. Right, something. okay. Um, and that was an article I saw. Um, so did you have a particular favourite image in the Taylor Wessing?
1: This year, um, I really liked the images that, um, again, I'm shocking with names, um, but there were... Uh, somebody photographed their mum over the course of five years um, and then there was the the two images that were selected were one of the first photographs they took and one of the last and so in the first she's kind of sat in her chair in the living room doing whatever you know very muted like environmental portrait and then the last one is she's you know she's all done up she's wearing a really vibrant coat and it's like a sat portrait. And it's showing, you know, how she has changed over this time through, you know, repeatedly having a photo taken. Now to the point where she loves it. Um, and so I loved those. The um, one with the big glasses.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the like Iris so Apple good. glasses.
1: Yeah. Um, there was um, the, the cowboy one. I l- yeah, um, the Black Cowboy series is incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were great.
0: I'll leave a link in the um, the show notes for yeah, anybody definitely. wants to go and check out the Taylor Wessing shows. Um, I don't know how long it's on till. February, I think. February. Yeah. So uh, you got
1: time. Who, what else do I like?
0: I really like the portrait of the transgender um, officer.
1: Yeah. That one was great. Um, there's the one, and when I first saw it, I, I looked at it, and I was like, what is this doing here? Um, and it was a photo of... Like um, it's like a family in a car in like a green vintage car and I was looking at it and I'm like this isn't a portrait and then I just I stood and I looked at it for about 10-15 minutes and I was just looking at every kind of detail of it thinking like why is this here and why have they picked it um, and then I just kind of came to the realisation that you know it, it is a portrait it's a snapshot of a group of people a particular moment in time you know living authentically and it was you know there was the mum was in the passenger seat she was reading the newspaper dad's driving looking over his shoulder laughing talking to the kids in the back and it yeah it's just kind of i think it's useful to take your preconceptions about something and step outside of them for a minute and think okay so this is obviously here for a reason why is it here and why is my idea about what i thought this was maybe wrong um
0: I, I No, I 100% agree with you. It's, it's more of a family portrait image, <laughs> I think. And when I went with Nico as well, and when we, it's the first one you see, it's on the left yeah. Um, as you walk in. And I was slightly confused as to why it was there. Um, but I, I had this realisation recently um, after exchanging with a few uh, slightly ignorant people on the internet. Yeah, The street photography community, community online is very political at the moment and i don't know why um yeah. and there was a quite a few people sort of brandishing statements like uh oh, if it's um you know if it's a picture of a pigeon it's not street I think for it, I remember seeing yeah. and or like if you shoot in the same location and over and again you're not doing it right and things like this and i was just like i don't care like i uh, if you want to go and shoot in the tape every single day of the week then go ahead if you want to photograph a particular type of if you only want to photograph old people on the street then go ahead if you want to photograph homeless people on the street I don't don't care Um, you're still expressing yourself creatively Um, I think that the one thing that helped me get over that was just like seeing how negative it was and just like it doesn't impact me at all it's not impacting my work um, and similarly to seeing that image in the Taylor Wessing Prize, even though I at first thought it wasn't a portrait image, mm-hmm. um, it didn't affect the rest of the, the show because there was still so many brilliant portraits in the rest of the show. Yeah. Um,
1: like at the end of the day, like who gives a fuck? <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, it's a photograph. Like we're not, we're not performing heart surgery on people, you know, no, no one's life's at stake. Who cares if you call yourself a street photographer and you only take pictures of people's shoes on the Bakerloo line, Nico? It's like, you know, it's... You can you can do whatever you want. You know, like, yeah. just because I call myself a fashion and portrait photographer, big sweeping air quotes around that, doesn't mean that, you know, I wouldn't want to do something more more elaborate like that and shoot a more kind of thought out portrait of a family doing something cuz it cuz it doesn't fit in with my idea of what a portrait is which is someone sat down in a dim studio with one light overhead looking at a camera like mm-hmm. it, you know it's there's no unless unless you are doing something physical and like changing a tire or performing heart surgery there's no there's no right way to do anything you know you can you can do whatever you want however you want when you're creating art, there's no, there's no right way about it. You know, gaffer tape a banana to the wall and sell it for 120 grand.
0: Like, I do. I do funny you say that. <laughs> but I, I think that taking yourself too seriously as an artist is sort of. It doesn't make any sense to do that because artists, especially like musicians and things, uh, you know, you take. I don't know. Take Mozart, for example. He was like four years old when he first started playing. I bet there were some people who were like, like, he's only four years old, whatever. And then, you know, he was just messing around. And I'm pretty sure you wrote Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star or something. Mm -hmm. Or or like Vincent Van Gogh, for example. He took himself so seriously to the fact that he killed himself because of his his anxiety and his depression. Um, Do you think that taking yourself too seriously as an artist can hinder your progression?
1: Um, it's hard for me to say because I don't really don't take, take I don't seriously. really take anything seriously. No, um, that's good. I think, I, I think that's fantastic. And it's, it, I mean, to a, like, to a fault, like, I don't take anything seriously. And I, you know, it, I should, um, I think that there's a difference between having pride in what you do and being prideful. Um, I think that you can... You can take pride in your work, but the minute again that starts feeding into an ego and you start taking yourself too seriously, like, you know, get a grip. Like you're you're no you're no different from anybody else. Just because you do something a certain way and it's worked for you and it's allowed you to make a living, doesn't mean that you're, you know, any better or any different from someone who does it a different way and, you know, may have less exposure for it or may make slightly less than you. I don't I don't think there's I don't think there's, there's like I said, there's no right or wrong way to do anything. Um, Yeah, I I think taking yourself too seriously is a slippery slope to ruin, because people will, you know, people talk, and if you're if you're a pain in the ass to work with because you take yourself too seriously, no one's going to want to work with you. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, just have fun. Yeah,
0: I think that that is the to to sum this whole experience up (laughs) is to, to have fun um i i definitely feel like i get into this weird rhythm like i mentioned earlier of not doing anything for myself sometimes Mm -hmm. um sometimes it's fun to just sit down at the piano and just fuck about for an hour or 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 just like go out and take a bunch of weird pictures yeah um just because you can yeah yeah yeah. it's not it doesn't cost you anything Hold your um,
1: camera upside down for a day. Yeah, exactly. Like... <laughs> I,
0: I, I I spent an evening taking pictures of like um, yellow things, for example. Yeah, uh, that's quite a funny uh, exercise to do. Is to just select something so mundane yeah, yeah, yeah. and just like try and stick to it. And I think not doing it because you want to be in the Taylor Wessing Prize or you don't want to be featured in Street Photography International or yeah, just whatever. do it to do it. Just do it, do it for the fun of it. Um, and I think. Being born into this this time where we have so much technology readily readily available for us, yeah,
1: especially with digital
0: cameras, I think there's no room for egos anymore because everybody's just experimenting all the time.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, it's um, to throw a you know bad <laughs> badly used expression at this with with digital photography, and I'm not discrediting what either of us or anyone does, if you throw enough shit, some of it will stick. Like, you know, you can, with with a with a film, if you're shooting a roll of film, you've got 36 frames to get what you want or, you know, however many frames you can afford. With a digital camera, you can take 2,000 captures. You know, there's bound to be something usable in there. You, it's... Exactly. Um, and, you know, that's not me saying that we're hacks and what we do is we just sit and hold burst and hope for the best. Um... Because because it's not at all. But you know, I think that what we do is too ephemeral to take it too seriously. You know, you can take the most stunning portrait in the world, and it will be on the cover of Vogue. But next month, someone else will be on the cover of Vogue, and your magazine will be either some, under someone's bed or in the recycling. Um, and so, it, you know, it, I don't think I don't think anything's worth getting that hung up over, unless it's life or death, or you know. Yeah, just have fun.
0: As your yearly reminder to not take yourself too seriously. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Any final remarks regarding developing as a photographer or a student?
1: Um, I think for me, the biggest thing is find out what you don't want to do and that will lead you to what you want to do. Um, You know, for me, I did that in quite a big way. I did a year of a degree and then found out that I didn't want to do that. Um, and so that ticked that off. I'm like, okay, there's something I don't want to do. Um, you know, I worked in hospitality and retail for two years. I'm like, okay, there's two things I definitely don't want to do. Um, and now, you know, I'm found photography. I'm like, okay, this is something I want to do. And so then now I'm trying out different things within photography and I'm like, okay, still life. That's boring to me. I don't want to do that portraiture. Oh, that's fun. I want to do that. What kind of portraiture i think you, you know you, the more you try things out and the more you kind of are open to experience things the more fulfilled and readily you're going to grow um I, yeah i think you know suck it and see if there's you know what's the worst that can happen
0: there we go. That that, that should be the title What's the Worst That Can Happen?
1: <laughs> Suck it and see what's the worst that can happen. <laughs> Funnily enough, it's the name of my autobiography I'm working really?
0: on. Really? <laughs> when when can we expect to see that? God's <laughs> um, are there any things that you're working on right now that people should know about or things that you plan to work on? Um, we were speaking earlier about some projects for next year.
1: Yeah, so I mean my 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 podcast is coming back. That's kind of the most base level um flimsy thing to talk about um so I took a little break from that because I was really really busy um but that will be coming back um we'll probably be back by the time this is out um I am starting to think in depth about what I want to shoot for my final major project um and the kind of photographer that I want to be in the long run um what else nothing nothing too juicy at the minute I think I'm just kind of taking things as they come at the moment um I've got a really, really awful habit of taking on a lot of things and then getting none of them done. Um, and so I think I'm just trying to take a step back and take the things that come to me, do them well, and then worry about what comes next.
0: Sounds good. Sounds like an Excellent, <laughs> Uh Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. No, thank you for having um, me. It's been great to get your insight and your opinion on... All things photography, and it's been good to have a chat about um, some mental health issues because I don't think it gets addressed. Yeah, enough, absolutely. Especially in creative communities where everybody thinks that we're all just like la di da di da daisies and happiness. Yeah. You know, it's like. Yeah. You
1: know, what have you got to worry about? You just walk around the camera and press exactly. the button a couple of times. You haven't got anything, anything going on.
0: So I think that that would be a very valuable part for people to to take on. No, good. Um, I'm glad. Yeah, uh, and I, I appreciate you you coming along and uh, making all the effort to come all the way up to North London <laughs> from southeast East, <laughs> nah, which is okay. impressive. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much, mate. and Thanks, uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Conversations Over Coffee. We'll see you in the next one hello everybody a quick word from me thank you so much for listening to this episode of conversations over coffee it really means a lot to me that you listen to these episodes if you want to send in any questions that you have for me or my future guests then send those over to samholtcoffee@gmail.com. at gmail.com i'm happy to take them on and try and respond to them in one of these podcast episodes be sure to leave a review of this podcast as well it really helps get this podcast noticed but apart from that thank you very much for listening to this podcast and we'll see you in the next one